Charlie, and welcome to the podcast that's about to take your faith on a delightful and slightly unpredictable journey. That's right. It's time to dive into the world of messy antics. Now, if you've ever found yourself caught between the matzo cracker and the communion wafer, you're in for an absolute treat. We're here to chat about all things messianic and Torah, and let me tell you, it's a roller coaster of divine proportions. Think of us as your trusty guide in this biblical amusement park. We're going to explore the highs and the lows, the holobread wins, and the wandering in the wilderness fails. Get ready for candid conversations, guest appearance by prophets, well, maybe just their descendants, and discussions about what it's really like to walk out this whole word of Adonai. So whether you're a seasoned sukkah assembler or you're just wondering about what on earth is a mezuzah, join us for some laughter and maybe learning a little bit about this holy chaos. After all, life is messy and faith is full of antics. I have the privilege of of getting uh, Mr. Robin Luton today. We have Grant Luton today. A couple of you might know who he is, but he has taught technology education on in high school. Also, let me turn on my prompter properly. He's in high school, also in levels. All I mean, I'm embarrassed when we're going through this. I'm trying to tell him some, some technical things and I'm realizing who I'm talking to is a little embarrassing. He's done this for 30 years. Including one, including one whole year in England as the full as a Fulbright Scholar, one year at Kent State University School of Technology. He served for ten years as the Assistant Executive Director for the National Museum of Education, formerly the Partnership for America's Future Incorporated. Grant is an accomplished pianist as well as a published author whose books are presently sold internationally. Um. Home Bible study. This one, you guys, you think that little Bible study at your house could mean nothing. Well, this little Bible study that he started in 1994, it grew to become Beth Takun Messianic Fellowship in Ohio, which he led for 26 years. And after his retirement in June of 2022, Grant launched launched his Torah Today Ministries, a teaching ministry that has been has viewers and listeners from all around the world. Grant has been married to the same lovely bride since 1979 and has three children and two grandchildren. Thank you so much for being with us today. I so appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yes. This uh, is really fun. Yeah, I, I'll try to do as good a job as Robin. She just spoke to this. She's the one who always avoids the camera. And yet when we hit the record button or she gets to the camera, she just lights up and and I have to re-record and re-record and get it right. But, uh, but thank you for having me, Charlie. It's wonderful. It's been so great. I want to hear, how did this come about for you? How did you find our Messiah in Torah? Like, how did that happen? Because the Old Testament's gone away with. How did all of a sudden it come alive to you and you become this whole Bible believer? Well, I'd always seen the types, the pictures of him to a degree. Well, I would read, especially the book of Exodus. Um, that is to me, it was the book I read in my teens to help me to understand what salvation is and how it operates. But I always saw myself as a New Testament Christian, but I had so many questions about how to live life. Um, I wanted to know more about how to live daily life because I had Christian friends from all the whole spectrum of denominations. And they all live life a different way. They all dress a different way. They all emphasize different things. But it was a trip, my first trip to Israel in 1992. 
that uh, well, I would say my world turned upside down. I should say it turned right side up. And I began to realize that Jesus was not a Western 20th century Christian evangelical. Um, he, he just, that is not who he was. And, um, but he was a Jew. And I wanted to understand more about his religion. I knew there were issues with Judaism. I'd seen errors in Judaism. I saw plenty of errors in, in the denominations I had been involved in. But um, when I was there, I was determined I was going to learn about Judaism, and I was going to learn Hebrew. In fact, that was a, a supernatural drive that got put right in my heart. It was, to me, it was like, you can eat and sleep, or you can learn Hebrew. I'll pick Hebrew first. And uh, wow, an amazing thing happened. That summer I was in Israel in 92 was the summer that they took the junior high I was teaching at and turned it to a grade school. So I didn't have a job there, but I had tenure. So they bumped me up to the high school, and I had five study halls a day which for most teachers would drive them off the deep end. They would just be suicidal. But here I'm getting paid a full salary and studying Hebrew and reading books taught Judaism. And um, so that's the way it was for two years. And by the end of that two years, I had worked through the entire Torah, just word by word, and, and reading a book on the Hebrew grammar and this and it was a passion. There was no stopping me, and I just worked through it. And the more I learned about Judaism, the more I learned Hebrew, the more the New Testament went from black and white to living color and green. And it was a life-changing experience. I, I'm interested to hear when you, when you, when it all of a sudden became seamless to you. Yes. And it became alive to you. Did you find that the things that were contradictory were no longer contradictory? Yeah, God wasn't schizophrenic. Right. Yeah, you know, right. it's, it's like there's this mean God. Jesus comes to save us from God. Because Jesus, yeah, nice Uncle Jesus comes to save us all. Yeah. But then when you get to Revelation, Jesus turns me. I mean, it's like this. It's just, it's <laughs> Who can you trust? Who can you trust? Think about it because it sounds, it won't sound sacrilegious now. But you begin to realize God is gracious from Genesis to Revelation. He's filled with grace, wisdom, truth, righteousness, and he's, it's just consistent. It, it, like you said, it's seamless. So I couldn't see how it flowed together before. Just to, I, didn't, I wasn't equipped with the right tools to, to see that. And, uh, but I know Robin expresses it better than me, but she had really begun to have some serious doubts about her faith and about who God was and about the Bible itself. But when she realized it's one God, it's one mind all the way through the scriptures, she just, she wept. I was there when that realization met her. And uh, there's just no looking back. No looking back. It's been the greatest adventure of my life. I, this is so fun to hear. And I'm sure during this adventure there have been some moments. Oh. That you probably are like, you know, what do you call palm palm to forehead, right? Oh, what was that? What happened? It gets a little messy. A lot of us, a lot of us might go extreme, like, oh my gosh, I have to change my whole house. We have to like become fully Jewish, or oh, you know, I have to 
whatever. There's been fun moments that you can look back on now, I'm sure. Even, I mean, I have them still. Can you share a few of those with us that are just some of those messy moments in this transition? Yeah, well, you know, the, the more messy ones came later when this little Bible study I was leading. And I said, hey, would you like to start learning the four portions and the uh, holy days? And, and we did that for a year. And then they said, let's do it a second year. And then they said, let's do it a third year. And before we knew it, we'd become this little congregation. So we were all making our mistakes together. It wasn't me on display trying to tell everybody to do it. We were all figuring it out together. But, oh, my goodness, as Seth Cocoon grew, it grew very quickly. Mm. And, um, <laughs> but I, I have to tell you this. I have to preface everything with this. Um, Robert and I went to a, a, a retreat, this, this couples class thing where they they do these tests to see where your strengths and weaknesses are. And um, when it, it, it tested these main areas, and when it came to people skills and leadership, I didn't have a pulse. I had <laughs> zero in both. <laughs> nothing. It was, yeah, it was like that part of my brain wasn't there. So here I am, and I had to laugh. I said, so Lord, you pick somebody with no leadership skills, no people skills, to lead people and and we just had to laugh about that and uh, but god gave me a love for people and uh i because i didn't know anything about leadership i just really leaned into guidance and he blessed it so before we knew it this congregation had grown and um because i'm the school teacher and i love questions from the kids we always let people ask questions. So I would sit down when I taught. People could raise their hands. And even when we got up to a congregation of over 200 people, people are raising their hands and asking questions. And it was wonderful. So it was in those times that we, we really had some interesting <laughs> encounters with people. I remember. I'm sure. Yeah, there was a, um, an elderly lady. It's funny. I, I, I uh, call people elderly because I'm in my 70s now. And uh, <laughs> anyways, there was an elderly lady, and she'd been visiting for a couple of months, and she always sat like right up front. And uh, after the teaching, we would have one, we'd have a meal together. So I don't know what prompted her to raise her hand. She raises her hand, and she says, um, I brought a pork roast to share with Oneg, is that okay? And I tried to be real gracious, and, and I said, well, thank you for being so gracious and bringing that. I appreciate that, but no, we're, I, I'm afraid we're just not going to be doing that. And instead of saying okay, she says, but Jesus changed all those laws. We, we can eat whatever we want now. Now, there's 200 plus people sitting here Listen to me having this conversation with this little lady. And uh, and I said, No, ma'am, it's it's still an abomination to him. And because <laughs> she she kept persisting. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a young man here who had listened to the teaching just last week from years ago, and he's reminded me of all of this. So that's why it's fresh in my mind. <laughs> but uh, 
I, we were always having these little encounters like this, trying to be gracious to these newcomers coming in. And, um, but there were always people who thought I wasn't strict enough. And then there were others who had kind of religious spirit that um, say, you don't you make this more military than people. But my motto has always been walk, don't run. And in a flock of sheep, you've got some up closer, you have some trailing behind, some to the right, some to the left. As long as the whole flock's moving in the same direction, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get where we're supposed to go. And um, so that's probably not one of the funniest things that happened, but uh, oh my goodness, there's so many. I think some of the most weird encounters are with wolves. And uh, once a flock starts getting a certain size, the enemy will send wolves. Mm -hmm. and we've, we've had some really strange encounters with them. And that's with, with, with any congregation of people who are trying to follow that. It's difficult once you spot those. It's like everyone's watching you to see how are you going to handle this. And a lot of times I've seen leaders in, in um, I've seen leaders then will uh, spare the wolf for the flock and they realizing they don't want to offend someone realizing as a shepherd or as a leader, you will have to realize you have to think of the greater good and the damage that that one wolf can do to an entire flock. Well, you know, and, uh, it reminds me when I, came into this, I did not want to become a pastor. I caused pastors enough grief in my young years. I thought, I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. <laughs> but um, some of the, the folks in our, our, our small group said, well, Grant, this has become our church. This is this small Bible study is our, is our community. Mm -hmm. We're in a building, get a name, and you'll be the pastor. And it's like, no way, this isn't going to happen. And they said, why don't we just pray about it? And I said, why pray about it? God's going to say no. I mean, I knew I had no leadership skills to be sick. But um, anyways, finally I prayed. I said, God, if you'll open the doors, I'll walk through them. And the doors just pop, 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 pop. They just all opened up. And before you knew it, we're in a building. We wriggled the building. Here I am pastoring on a flock. And I remember so distinctly, Charlie, at that point, thinking, God, how is this going to end? I can't see this ending well. How is this going to end? When is it going to end? And uh, 26 years later, um, God finally put in my heart, it's time to retire. And as a, a, a great young man, Tim Pell, who stepped in and uh, came up in the congregation, taking my place, doing a wonderful job. And we still attend there, and I help support him and mentor him, and he's doing a, a great job in the community. But going back to my early days, I said, God, how be a pastor of plot? I've seen it done every which way of wrong that you can imagine. But how do you do it? And he kept saying, shepherd my sheep, shepherd my sheep. And I studied, what does that mean? It means two things. You feed the sheep. And you protect the sheep. And I said, Father, I'll do those two things. Because I felt confident I could do that. I'll feed them. I love to study them. And I'll protect them. And uh, I stuck to those two things. I never did a third thing this whole 36 years. I just fed the sheep, protected the sheep. And you know what I found out? 
A thousand sheep are healthy. If you feed the sheep, they're healthy. They reproduce. I mean, not just physically, but they're telling other people. And I thought of all the years in church when pastors would kind of crack the whip over the sheep, get out there and share the gospel and lead others to the Lord. And, and now I realize if sheep aren't leading other people to become sheep, they're not healthy sheep. Right. And you can't stop them from sharing their faith and bringing others in. So I well, it's obvious. If any of you, if you're in the in uh, in Ohio, I highly recommend. Um, it's outside of Akron, is that correct? Yes, yes, the Akron area. The Akron area for Beth Jacoon. I've had the privilege of being at the first women's meeting after COVID. That was a blessing. I was able to come and share that with that, and what an amazing group of people. And uh, it's a huge testimony to have been there for so long. Yeah. Um, that is a testimony to. Those two principles. Yes. Yeah. It is. You know, I I remember one time, I forget exactly what it was, but uh, in the first year of my leading this group, I thought I would get the sheep to perform. And I decided I want everybody to start doing a certain thing. I forget what it was now because it was silly, but uh, <laughs> it had something to do with, I don't know, wearing pipas or prayer shawls or something. And, uh, no, they didn't let me do that. The sheep thought, mm, no, uh, we'll do this on our own. And I realized I'm trying to get the sheep to perform. And you know, have you ever been to a circus where they have performing sheep? I've never seen it. No. <laughs> I just watched what it takes for one of those cattle dogs to corral sheep. Yeah, and it, right, right. yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like, it's like herding cats, I think. Yes. But so many messianic groups and church groups say what performing sheep. Everybody's going to do this and say it's going to be clones. And it's like, no, because I, because think of Jacob's flock when he was working for Laban. Spotted, speckled, striped. They're no two alike. They were a motley looking group. They were the misfits. So boy, they were productive. They were mm. fertile. And I thought, that is what a healthy congregation looks like. And all through Beth Bakun's years, he had all ages, all races, nationalities, and um, from the whole social spectrum. And we had had people visit over the, over the years, and, and speakers come in, and they would look. And they said, this looks like a little slice of the kingdom of God. Mm. That's the highest compliment anybody could have paid by the church. And uh, I thought this is Jacob's slot. Absolutely. Uh, not, and probably a little bit of the misfits part, because only because I know your wife. So. Just the misfits. <laughs> Absolutely the misfits. I embrace that. I, embra I always love me some good misfits. Um, before I ask you the next round, we're going to go through a speed round to get to know you a little better, um, because I really want everyone. Be, before you leave this podcast, to go over to uh, YouTube, I want you to find Torah Today Ministries. Where all go to the org. First of all, go there. I want you to subscribe. Put the little bell so you know when the new things are coming up. That's a must because you do not want to miss those teachings that are on there. Go in there and just binge on your walks and treadmills or whatever. That it's such 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 solid teaching that I can't say that enough. But I want to ask you before we go in our speed round, 
What are you writing now? What's got you studying and excited? Well, I'm working on the second volume of the uh, Genesis Commentary. The first volume's out. There's going to be three in all if I live long enough. And uh, uh, the second volume's been languishing because there have been some career changes and starting for today. And so it kind of got pushed to the back burner. But um, I'm cracking on that book again now. And I want that second volume back. It's just a few chapters short of complete. So. Uh, that's so going to be exciting. Uh, That's going to be exciting. So now everyone go get the first volume so that you can be caught up by the time the second volume comes out. So by this, the speed round we're going to hop into is tell me something completely useless that you have memorized and it's still memorized and it's totally useless taking up space. Something I've memorized? You mean the, in, in anything, the, anything, just uh, totally anything in your life. What if you have memorized? You're like, that was totally useless. And it still comes uh, up every once in a while. Can you think of something? In the slithy toes, the gyre and jimble in the way, it all meant to more from the mama great dog great. How's that? I never That's perfect. That's perfect. I don't know. It's just stuck in, That's perfect. in my brain. <laughs> You're like, why? Why is that taking space? I just, just one of those things. That's so funny. So on a scale of one to five, how adventurous would you say you are? Oh, five. A five? Five, six. Do you, yeah. Five or six. Okay. Do you, are you someone who follows directions or do you kind of improvise? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I follow directions, but I have the, and Robin, she, she'll tell you, I always think I can improve on the directions. Oh, okay. And I'll say, well, why didn't they do it this way? This is a better way to do it. So I'm always improvising. Once in a while, that actually works. <laughs> I still love, I'm adventurous and I love to improvise too. That's really fun. So this was, this, for some reason, this question has become one of the fun, funnest questions randomly. Um, M&Ms, mm-hmm. do you eat them by the handful or one at a time? Uh, I just, the more I get, I start eating by a handful. Time's growing short. <laughs> we've gotten every answer from separating them one at a time by color and then we're like is red made out of is it kosher or is that clean i don't know if that red is red dye number so you know so we've had some fun conversation what is something that you really 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 wish you liked but you just don't like it oh um like, like you want to like it but you just don't robin likes she loves <laughs> She loves broccoli and asparagus and cauliflower and all that. And to me, I eat them like I have to take medicine, I, but I don't enjoy it. But she loves, she loves all that healthy stuff. I wish I enjoyed it more. You sound like my husband. He He's averted. If it's green, he's kind of has an aversion and he yeah. uh, we're the same. But asparagus, it's like eating boiled pencils. It's just <laughs> Why would you favorite vacation spot? I might know the answer to this oh, one. Yes, Sedona, Arizona. Uh, outside of Israel. Sedona. Well, correct. Right, right, right. Is that even yeah. Outside of Israel, Sedona, Arizona, we share that. We share that love for that location. So in Israel, tell me two of your favorite spots there. Oh, of course, anything in Jerusalem, but we love spot, which is never on the agenda when people take tours of Israel. Safat is north of Sea of Galilee and a little bit to the west. And it's kind of a hippie colony sort of place. And a lot of 
art uh, galleries and, and uh, great shopping. But the sages, the great sages of Israel, uh, most all of them are buried right there in Sinai. Oh. And it's a very, uh, very spiritual place in the Jewish mind. And we just always love going there. It's a beautiful view up, up on, it's up on top of a mountain. And, um, but it's one of those places that, uh, the Christian tourists never go to. So that's one. And, um, but almost anything in Jerusalem is really special. That's nice. Uh, oh, that's I, nice. I, I love that. The other would be Hebron. The Abraham Terrace okay. too, yes. That's another place most tourists don't get to because it's a little dodgy getting there. So, mm-hmm. so Hebron is, is an incredibly spiritual place. Who are your, some of your favorite teachers? Oh, uh, Rabbi Manus Friedman is one of them. And uh, 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 Rabbi uh, Tots, South African. Uh, those two are really hard to beat. Now, neither of them are messianic, but uh, I, I can, knowing the, the New Testament scriptures, I can always supply and fill in the gaps that they're left in their teaching. Um, but the messianic teachers, uh, Daniel Lancaster is definitely one of my favorites. He's also a dear friend, a great writer. That's wonderful. I, I like, I, we love Rabbi Friedman and, and it's, I've, I'm always being mindful to say, and you'll just know this is not messianic and you will need to spit out the bones. So like with, I mean, I read every, a lot of things. So um, you just, mature, if you're not mature enough to spit the bones out, it's not time for you to start that yet. Just, yeah. Well yeah. If you're not ready. So is there anything, this is the last question. Is there anything this year that you have changed your mind on? Oh, boy. Can you get back with me on that one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll get you something. That, there's your thoughts for your your journaling. I'll for tell you what. I, I, one of the things I always try to keep is an open mind, so I'm used to changing my mind and uh, looking at things from a, a new perspective. So, um but theologically, I can't think of anything particularly there. But uh, Robin and I are always growing and challenging and tweaking. And I, I think of truth as being like a, a, a game of darts. You've got a, a target, and you want to hit the bullseye. Being on the target's good, but the bullseye is the loneliest place on the target. It's the smallest mm. place. So I always want to keep getting to the bullseye. And um, so anything that gets me closer to that bullseye, that's I'm willing to make a change. And uh, I want to know the truth about all things. Isn't that, isn't that, that's hitting the mark. Like we, we, it's my favorite topic when we talk about people are so concerned about sin from that religious spirit. I'm like, no, 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 you're just missing the mark. It's just an adjustment. It's katat. It's just, let's just make the adjustment and get to the center. And and that's why I'm always saying my understanding today is this because it can change tomorrow and it needs an adjustment to get me to the center and I just want to be near him and he's in the middle that's all I want. Some people don't have the mental freedom, and I think mm-hmm. I figured out why. Being raised in the evangelical church, kind of strict Baptist, I realized in when I was about well in my late twenties, I realized I had not depended on Yeshua for my salvation. 
I depended on my theology for my salvation. Okay. Now think about it. It, it, it. If you believe, you think, if I just believe everything exactly right and I'm saved, but it's my theology's off, I might be in trouble. Theology is your God. And when someone mm. questions your theology, it feels blasphemous. So they're challenging my God, my idol. But when I made that shift, I am saved by what Yeshua did, not by what I think about what he did. What he did on the cross, that is where my salvation lies. When, you, when you're secure in what he did, now I can take my theology and just disassemble it, reconstruct it. Some things go, other things stay. And you're always tweaking. It's like you moved into a house. You're always changing things and fixing things. And I want my theology to align with truth. I'm not threatened if something my theology is seems to be inaccurate. Then let's fix it. Because my salvation is in my Messiah. That's Amen. a rock. Can't be shaken. Can't be lost. And uh, Amen. too big to lose. Amen. And if you just happen to be here today and you have just randomly come across this, or maybe you're deep into learning about the Hebraic roots of faith and of the word, and, and someone said to be on here, and but you don't know Yeshua as your Messiah, I want to invite you to that. I want to invite you to spend some time alone and ask him to have an encounter with him. I'm not going to give you some prayer that you should pray, but but spend some time with him and say, well, I want you to be Messiah to me in a real way, in a personal encounter, and he'll show up. He'll be there wow. and, and, and walk you through it and, and reach out to us if there's any way we can help guide you through it. Please, please, however, also on podcast, I want you to look for Torah today. I want you to, where else, is there anywhere, anywhere else I'm missing that they can find you? Um, well, our website, fortodayministries.org, is there you can print out the notes for all the teachings. I have all the notes, so it's nice to print those out. Um, and then, of course, YouTube and uh, almost all the podcast platforms are there. And uh, one, I just finished a series, it's only four teachings, on the body, soul, and spirit. And I've, I don't think anything I've done has gotten more, um, more attention than that, more feedback than those four teachings. The fourth one actually goes up on Monday. Um, but uh, the, it, it seems like people are talking about the salvation of the soul and and a lot of believers don't realize we have a spirit. We have a body and we have a spirit. And there's so much confusion about this. And so I, I did this series of four teachings. And it, people have found it really, really helpful. So that might be a good place to start. That's a great place to start. Would you, would you close us out in prayer? Please pray for those listening. And, and, um, and thank you again for being here. What a blessing. And I want you to know my misfit sheep, I made them sound like they were weird. But they were spiritually, we were all spiritually misfit. Oh. in anywhere else. They are the most wonderful people. In the world. They are amazing. We know. We know your heart. We know uh, that for sure. If I don't make that correction. <laughs> if they're listening now, he loves you. <laughs> all right. Thank you, John. Well, our Father and King, we thank you so much. We thank you for loving us so eternally, so securely, so thoroughly. And you prove that by sending us your Messiah. And even after we nailed him to a cross and rejected him, 
he came back to life just to continue to love us more. So, Father, make us more like him. And I pray that through Charlie's broadcast, through my teachings, and all of the people who are who love you and are teaching and, and serving you around the world, that, Father, you would use all of us together as your bride to tell the world about our loving, gracious, and our good Messiah, the Savior, Yeshua. And that's a wrap on another Messianic adventure, my fellow spiritual adventurer. From splitting red seas of laughter to stumbling upon mana mishaps, we've truly experienced the full spectrum of Messianic marbles and Torah tales. Remember, folks, as we navigate the sometimes bewildering but always beautiful path of faith, it's okay to have a few loose ends along the way. Embracing the messiness of life is what makes our journey genuine and our connection with Adonai so meaningful. Before we go, let's take a moment to thank our incredible guest who shared their story, insights, and aha moments with us. And of course, a big thank you to you, our amazing listeners. Without you, we'd just be folks sitting in here with a microphone, and that's just not as fun. We'll catch up with you next time on Messy Antics, where the Torah is our compass and laughter is our guiding star. Stay joyful, stay curious, and may your days be filled with blessings that are as abundant as manna in the wilderness. And help us out by liking, subscribing, and leaving us that five-star review.